The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Well, we finished up our study on the church last week, but today... Um, I actually started a, a new series of studies, and uh, it's something that I, I actually did teach about 15 years ago. Uh, it's on the Trinity, and uh, we're going to begin today, of course, with the, with the head of the Trinity, that being God the Father. And uh, I get this question a lot from people at work, uh, a lot of my co-workers uh, who, who don't really attend churches, and don't really get instructed, even if they do attend churches, there's many churches that don't instruct. Um, and so they don't get a lot of instruction and have a lot of knowledge. And one of the questions they ask me a lot was, they say, well, what is God? Uh, I mean, I believe in God, but I don't understand God. I don't know what God is. What is God? And they'll ask me that question. And I thought about that, and so I decided to uh, put together a study on the Trinity but uh, I want to look today, I want to talk about what is God. Before we start, let's pray. Father, thank you for the time we have, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead and guide me as I conduct this study. Help me to say those things that you would desire that I say, and uh, give us all wisdom as we study this question, what is God? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What is God? This is a very thought-provoking question. What is God? Think about it for a moment. Uh, how many, how, he is many things to different people. You, you ask some people, what is God? And they'll give you an answer. And you ask someone standing right next to him, what is God? And they'll give you a different answer. And this is a, this is a matter for a lot of people. It's a matter of perception. Uh, it's a matter of their understanding and their life experiences to come together to identify God. Um, but in light of Scripture, I think it's important that we define God. What is He? What is God in light of the Holy Word of God, in light of Scripture? Because that's all that really matters. My opinion of God is irrelevant. My opinion of, 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 the, of, of anything pertaining to spiritual things is irrelevant. What matters is what's in here. And this is where we must formulate our beliefs and opinions. It's from the Word of God. So... What is God? Well, in answering the question, what is God, there are several factors that must be considered. Uh, for instance, God is a spirit. Uh, it, the Bible also says he is a person. God is a person. The Bible says God is one. And the Bible says God is triune. So we have all these different um, factors that we have to consider when we're going to, in our minds, formulate our definition and our understanding of God. So I, I want to consider the, these one at a time over the next several uh, lessons that, that I teach and times that we meet. But today we're going to start with number, Roman number one on your study sheets. And that is this. God is spirit. God is spirit. In John chapter 4 and verse 24... We read, God is a spirit, and they that worship him 
must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is vastly complex. Um, to attempt to identify God, to attempt to attempt to confine the definition of God into a phrase or or a, a few sentences, is beyond the scope of the finite human mind. Now, we can grasp a concept. We can grasp the facts and the truth of God, but to, but to fully comprehend uh, what God is, is beyond our human mind. It's not possible. We do not possess the understanding necessary to comprehend the full nature of God. We only know God by what he's revealed to us. That's all we know. And, and, and we have to be careful not to, not to add to the things that God has told us when we attempt to understand him. For it's this that leads us into uh, errors. this that leads us into justifying our own beliefs by our own opinions. I recall as a, as a, as a young teenager, uh, I was lying in the, in the back field in my dad, on my dad's property, which I used to do. I love to read. I used to go, there was a big, he had a big patch of clover back there. Beautiful clovers. How many of you have ever just gone and laid down in clovers? Oh, it's, it's, it's heavenly. And I used to go back there with a book and I'd lay in that field of clovers and I'd read. And one day I just stopped and I looked up and I looked at the sky. And I thought to myself, there is no end to what I'm seeing. It goes on, literally goes on forever. And the, 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 the thought of that became so overwhelming to me. As a young, young boy, I began to weep. Because I could not comprehend that. I, could, I couldn't wrap my mind around it. I, could, I couldn't grab hold of it and, and, and fully understand it. God, for instance, he's so complex. For instance, God had no beginning. Think about that for a moment. Think about God had no beginning. Now, this truth... And it is truth, by the way. God had no beginning. But this truth cannot be defined nor reconciled in our minds by any of us today. And if you want to be honest with yourself, you're going to have to say, yes, I believe it. Uh, I, 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 I accept the truth that God has never had a beginning, but I can't comprehend it. I cannot fix my mind on that. None of us here this morning have a point of reference to comprehend anything not having a beginning. We believe it's true, as I said, by faith. We accept it as truth because God's word declares it to be so. But we cannot rationally reconcile this in our human mind. Everything we see has a beginning. Everything. Everything that you touch, everything you see, 
even the air you breathe, everything had a beginning. There was a beginning to everything. But not to God. As far back as you can imagine in your mind, God was already there. But how can this be? How how can something not have a beginning? I mean, even if one day God just came into essence, that's a beginning, right? Isn't it? Isn't that a beginning? If one day God just poof, came on like a light bulb, that's a beginning, right? But he had no beginning. So there was never a time when God just became. God has always been. Wow, I I just can't. Maybe I'm maybe I try to be too scientific, but I just can't. I just my mind just begins. My circuits begin to short and I smell smoke. I mean, I'm overworking my mind. I got God had no beginning, folks. This is incredible. Genesis 1 1 says in the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created. I got off my notes here. I lost them. Oh, here we go. In the beginning, God created. I printed them backwards. This is going to be fun. So hang on to your hat. In the beginning, God created. The sun, the moon, and the stars, they had a beginning. The oceans and the dry land, they had a beginning. The trees, the flowers, and the grass all had a beginning. The sea and the land creatures all had a beginning. Man and woman, we all had a beginning. Yet God had no beginning. We can comprehend, now listen to me, we can comprehend eternity future, can't we? Yeah, I can, I can comprehend eternity. I can comprehend no end. I can comprehend as a child of God that when my body is consumed on this earth, that I will live on forever in, in the presence of God. I can comprehend that. I can. But I have no frame of reference for understanding Eternity past. That I can't comprehend. Now if you can comprehend that after the lesson today, I want you to come sit down with me and instruct me. Enlighten me. Because I can't comprehend it. I believe it. I, I accept it as truth. I know it's true because God declared it. But, but my mind can't comprehend. Now when I, get, when I, when I leave this, this sinful body... And in the presence of the Lord in my glorified body for all eternity, I will understand it. You will understand it. It'll make perfect sense to us. We'll comprehend the entire concept of it. But right now we can. I don't care what we say. We truly can't comprehend eternity past. So to allow us to comprehend. It's necessary that God reference himself to us. In man in means that we can understand. That we can comprehend. So God references himself to us through the Trinity. To say God is a spirit. Is basically to express. The immaterial. Immortal. Invisible. And intelligible nature. That comprises God. So when we, when we say God is spirit. Does that mean he's a specter floating around? Does that mean he's a ghost? No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that at all. When we, when we say God is a spirit, it is our expression 
of the immaterial, immortal, invisible, and intelligent nature that is God. God as spirit accomplishes all things according to his will, and he is an active and integral part of all his creation. In John chapter 1, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, verse 1 states, in the beginning. However, it is very important here for me to, to explain that this, this word beginning is in reference to the beginning of creation. It's in reference to our beginning. Not the beginning of God, because God had no beginning. I had this conversation with my brother once. My brother, um, my brother has, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to say in glory to God, my brother, his daughter married a, uh, a historical Baptist preacher. And um, my brother has since then converted to uh, our way of thinking doctrinally. And the last time we spoke about these things, he, he chuckles about how he used to believe. And... But my brother and I have had this discussion many times. And, and, and he, he viewed everything from more of a scientific point of view. And, you know, he believes that the seven days of creation weren't literal days, but they were, they were, they were um, millennials of time and, and all this. But I'm not going to get off onto all of that. But God had no beginning. He has always been and will always be. God as a spirit had no beginning. He is unlike other spirits, however, which were created. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, we read, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? Now this is referring to Christ. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. All things, everything, everything in in, in the created universe uh, was created by God for him, for his, according to his will will, and, and his purpose and by his good pleasure. So, given that God is a spirit and does not possess a material form or substance, then we have to answer some questions. And I have two questions on your study sheet this morning. Question number one. Why is God described in human terms? Why is God described in human terms? The Bible, the scripture says, we read it earlier, God is a spirit. Now a spirit, a spirit is without material form and without substance. We, we, we understand that. And God, remember, God references himself to us in terms we can understand. So if we're to understand that God is a spirit, then, then we must also acknowledge that 
he is immaterial in, in his form. But why didn't the scripture refer to God in human terms? Well, applying human traits to God is known as anthropomorphism. Anthropomorphism. Any of you ever heard of that before? Anthropomorphism comes from two words. Oh, I got to find it. Hold on. Yeah, the printer messed me up. Where is it? Oh, there it is. Comes from two words. <laughs> Anthropos, which is means man, and morphe, which means form. So anthropomorphism is God in the form of man. Now, as I stated earlier, because we cannot fully comprehend the nature of God, he has chosen to reference and reveal himself in terms that we can comprehend. So consider the following references found in scripture concerning the anthropomorphic identification of God. First, we see the face of God. The face of God. Exodus chapter 33 and verse 20. God here is communing with, with uh, Moses. And, and he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. Now, at this moment, Moses is not communing with the anthropomorphic form of God. He's not communing with Jesus. He's communing with God the Father. And God the Father, who is the Spirit, expresses to Moses, you can't see my face. That's a physical human characteristic, a face. And he's chosen to reference that as identifying him. But not only do we see the scripture referencing the face of God, but secondly, we see scripture referencing the arm of God. In Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 10, we read, The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. His arm. Now, when we, when I, I, would, I would flex my muscle, but I would be, I would be got, rushed upon by all of everyone, so I won't do that. And, I, and I'd, I'd split my jacket and have to buy a new one. But what do we what do we what do we reference the arm to be? Anyone know? Strength, strength and power. If a, if a man wants to show his fiance or his girlfriend or his wife how strong he is, he's going to find a way to flex that arm muscle in front of her. I don't do that because it'll it'll launch my wife into laughter that she'll never overcome. But God reveals. His, his power and strength to us by referencing the arm of God. What's next? Well, we see the eyes of God. Second Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore, from henceforth, Thou shalt have wars. But we see here reference from the eyes of the Lord going to and fro throughout the entire earth. And we use our eyes to do what? 
to see, to, to take in what's happening around us. And this, this references to us, this, this gives us an indication that God is ever watchful, that he sees all things. You know how often we forget that? Yeah, we forget that, don't we? Young people especially. I used to, when I used to teach the teenagers, I'd tell them, you think you're not being seen, but you are. If by no one else, by God the Father. Because he sees all things. He knows all things. He knows all things before things happen. The Bible says God knew the end from the beginning. And God's eyes are ever watchful upon you and I. What do we see next? Well, next we see the mouth of God. In Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 14, we read, Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Again, God as a spirit does not have that material form and, 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 and all of these things, yet he, he describes himself to us in scripture. He, he references himself to us in these anthropomorphic terms. The mouth of God. That would be what? What do we use our mouth for? To speak. To proclaim. To teach. To instruct. To correct. We use our, we use our mouth, our voice, to, to do all these things. You know, people tell me all the time that, how do you know God is real? Well, I know he's real in many ways, but one of the ways I know he's real is he speaks to me. He speaks to me when I read his word, when I study his word. Now, now, now unless you think I'm a lunatic, he doesn't speak to me with an audible voice. He speaks to me through his word, through the Holy Spirit in my heart. He reveals truth to me. He, he, he helps me to comprehend and understand the things that I otherwise would not. See, for the child of God, this is not a book. This is not a book. To the child of God, this is the voice of the Lord. This is God. And it's, it's so important. You know, I mean, I love to, I love to talk to my, my daddy. It's getting harder and harder to talk to him because um, he doesn't hear well, so he puts his phone on speaker. And if, if any of you ever try speakerphone, you know background noise makes everything cut out. And I'm there, Dad? And he's, he's going, Son, is that you? Yeah, yeah, uh, son, is that, where, is this Dalton or is this Lou? Dad, be quiet. <laughs> Just be quiet and listen. You almost got, I almost have to talk to him like I was on a radio. Over, go ahead, come back. I mean, it's crazy. It's hard to talk to him. But I love to talk to him. It's something comforting about communing with your father. And there's something comforting about communing with the Lord through his word. Through the written word. This is, this is so important. This, the word of God. Uh, I, I don't know how to make 
Christians understand. This is more important than your necessary food. Every day. To be in the word of God. To open your mind and heart. And allow the Holy Spirit. Whom God has sent to be your teacher. To instruct you. In spiritual truth. And every day. And, and you know. I've been, I've been saved for. Going on 39 years. And I've read the same passages of scripture. Countless times. But every time I read them. I learn something new. Isn't that amazing? Every time I, I study the word of God. The Holy Spirit reveals the truth to me. It's just. This is an amazing book. It's life. The mouth of God. Well, then we see another reference in Scripture, and that is the hand and ear of God. The hand and the ear of God. Isaiah 59, verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. And, and what, this, what this tells me, this reveals to me God's protective nature of his children. God's hand is, is, not, is not shortened. He doesn't, he doesn't withhold his hand from me. He, he doesn't withhold. You know, God has promised us as his children. He's promised us to provide our, all of our needs. Isn't that true? Paul said, my God shall supply all your needs. Now, wait a minute. Paul didn't say, God shall supply all your wants. We want a lot of things we shouldn't have. We want a lot of things God doesn't want us to have. But God will always supply everything we need. I sometimes see Christian people get caught up in trying to get ahead. But do you understand, don't you understand and realize God has already, has already designated to you everything you need and he will take away everything he doesn't want you to have. And sometimes we, we, we do all these things to amass all these things and yet they just seem to disappear like steam or, or smoke. They just vanish. We need to just learn to trust the Lord. Seek ye first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all things shall be added unto you. God will provide what we need. We just need to focus our life on his will for us. And the purpose that he's designated for us. Well, there's another reference to God in Scripture. This one is this one is a bit interesting. It's the nose of God. Now, noses are interesting. I I, I actually took a, a moment in my studies here and and I, I did a I did a Google reference on types of nose. You ought to do that someday. It's really, it's really interesting. You got a lot of different kind of noses out there. I don't know I don't know exactly what kind of nose God has. But he has a nose. And scripture, scripture references his nose. Second Samuel chapter 22, verse 16. And the channels of the sea appeared. The foundation of the world were discovered. At the rebuking of the Lord. At the blast of the breath of his nostrils. 
Now, I don't think you can have nostrils without a nose. And I don't know if that's possible or not. Uh, maybe, maybe one of you nurses over here can tell me if it's possible to have nostrils without a nose. I don't know, but I think it's not. So the Lord has nostrils, it says here. And what this is referring to is, is the wrath of God. The blast of his nostrils. He, 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 he cleared the channels of the sea and opened forth the, the, the foundations of the earth. Who did, who did he do that for, by the way? He did that for the children of Israel. Where? At the Red Sea, right? With, his, with, the, with the blast of his nostrils, he parted the sea. Well, there's another reference, and I've got to move if I'm going to get through all of this today. And that is the feet of God. The feet of God. Psalm 18 and verse 9. He bowed the heavens also and came down, and darkness was under his feet. And this shows the, this, this shows the sovereignty of God. The great authority of God. The, the, his dominion over all things. All things are under his feet. So all of these, all of these anthropomorphic terms are used in scripture to define God, to, to reference God. And so we, we, we really can see here that God could choose to make himself comprehensible to man in any form he chooses. Any, any form God would choose, he can use to, to, reference himself to you and I. But let me ask you a question. Does that form necessarily represent the true essence and nature of God? No, it doesn't. And that's what we said at the beginning. God is, God is beyond our human comprehension. The only way, we can, the only way we, can, we can put God into a reference we understand is by referencing terms that we that we can relate to. But that doesn't mean that that is how God is, that's the form or essence of God. So let's go to question number two. If God has no form, then how can we be made in his image? When scripture states that we are made in the image of God, it is not referring to our physical appearance. Rather, it is referring to the unique attributes that we share with God. We are made like God in some specific ways. And let me share those with you. I got five minutes to get through this. Um, not sure if we can do that. Let me see. I, I better find out where I'm going after this. Oh, this is it. <laughs> All right. Five minutes to get through this. So here we go. How are we made uh, like God? Number one, we have personality. We have personality. Now, personality is the complex characteristics which distinguishes an individual or a nation or group especially the totality of an individual's behavior and emotional characteristics. We are in the image of God because 
we have personality. Now, all creatures of nature do not have personality. Some of them have traits or characteristics that are that come to them by nature. But we have individual personalities. If I if I have 10 dogs right there and I throw one stake, what's going to happen? All 10 dogs are going after that stake. But if I have 10 people there and I throw a piece, of, a piece of meat, some of them might be vegetarians. So they're not going to charge that piece of meat. Some of them, like me, are strict carnivores. At work, sometimes they have garden burgers. I told one of the cooks one day, I said, I want my meat, I want my burgers to have parents. <laughs> Don't give me a burger unless it had a mama and a daddy. I'm a strict carnivore. And if you're not, and I offend you with being one, I'm sorry. You don't offend me by being a vegetarian, so don't let me offend you by being a carnivore. But we have personality, and, and, and animals don't have personality. They have ingrained traits that passed on to them from, from generation to generation. They behave by a certain way, but it's not because they have a personality. It's not because they have a choice or they choose things. It's just the way they are. So we have personality. Secondly, we have morality. We have morality. Morality is the ability to distinguish between right and wrong, the freedom to choose and live by a code of ethics. We have morality. Again, animals have no morals. They have no morality. They just behave in a certain way. They don't care. You, you can be walking them down the street and they decide, well, I'm going right here. And that's it. No morals. Now, unfortunately, there are a lot of people the same way, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they have morals or not. But anyway, we have morality. Number three, we have spirituality. Spirituality. The awareness of God. The ability to commune with God after salvation. So in these things, and there are others, but I, I, I chose these three for this morning. In these three things, we are in the image of God. God has a personality. God has, is moral. God uh, is spiritual. And in, in, in these things, we too are made like God. Therefore, when the, when the scripture says we are created in the image of God, it doesn't mean that God looks like a man. It means that God has characteristics that are passed to us. Therefore, we are like God in those ways. So I have a statement on your sheet and we'll finish up with this. God is spirit. And in this sense, we are created in the image of God. In that we also are spirit, soul. We have a soul. And as such, we possess similar characteristics of God. So what is God? Well, today we looked at the fact that God is spirit. Next time uh, we meet together, we'll, we'll take on uh, number two, which is God is a person. Uh, thank you for being here this morning. I hope this was useful to you. If someone ever comes to you and says, what is God? 
Well, we, you can share some of these things with them, what the scripture defines as God. All right, folks, thanks for being here this morning. You are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.